Hello, and welcome to Tro Talk. This is a student-led campus podcast, and I'm your host, Latifa Williams, a communications major and soon-to-be graduate of Trinity Christian College. I love talking and listening and deeply believe that we all have something to contribute to a conversation. Our beliefs, experiences, and personalities allow our perspectives to be vastly different than others. I don't like to show you from tough topics. I think we need to dive deep and think critically about them. We come in contact with so much content that there's no way to process it all. My aim with this podcast is to take a moment to dissect taboo topics that we don't openly discuss, although they affect us. I want to do this the best way I know how, with those who are different from me and from my perspective without apologizing for thinking, feeling, or believing a certain thing that others may disagree with, but also by being open to learn and grow from interacting with uncomfortable situations. Our first episode will be about different drug usage, marijuana, alcohol, prescription pills, and how millennials view addiction and health. With me, I have two lovely ladies that will introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Paulette. I am a student here at Trinity Christian College. I am a senior and a majoring in psychology. I'm Jenna Vanderpaul. I am a junior here, and I am also a psychology major. Okay, so as a psychology major, do you tend to view things differently? Like, I know as a communications major, I think very critically about communication issues that I come in contact with, whether it's media or even interpersonal relations. So, uh, I think I definitely am more um, analytical of someone's motive behind their behavior as opposed to just taking it for how it is. I would say, uh, for me personally, Uh, It was explained to me that the way that we see the world is through uh, rose-colored glasses, so your perception of reality is tinted by your past experiences um, and the way you were raised, um, things like that. And so for me it's interesting, as Paulette said, to kind of understand why um, people do the things that they do and what is the motivation behind that. Um, So what is the color the specific tint that people um, perceive the world with and how can we use that to better understand people. I like that a lot. I've taken a couple psychology courses and it definitely like digs deep into the human experience. So shout out to Dr. Hazard. (laughs) I love Hazard too. He's such a like fun guy. I was going to say cute but I don't think that's appropriate. He's a fun guy. So that brings me to the question of experience. How have you experienced drugs on campus? What do you Okay, so just tell me about your experience with drugs. Do you think that um it's viewed negatively or I definitely think that there's a negative stigma on the use of um like marijuana, alcohol. Um and I'm sure there's some you know, there's some right to that stigma, there's some truth there, but I do think that it's overly judgmental and uh it's it's uh it's too general it, it just it generalizes an entire people and and it doesn't really evaluate the good and bad to both sides um i think since we are a christian college i think that there's already a different approach that comes with that perception um i 
though one of the things that I struggle with is trying to walk a tightrope between being an adult and making my own decisions and still having people make rules for me. And so I think that that's a very delicate line. And I think, you know, depending on your college campus, sometimes um, you lean one way or the other. And I think that that does have repercussions on how you handle things. Um, I was raised in a very uh, strict home where alcohol um, was forbidden. Like I didn't take wine at communion, it was grape juice. And so coming to college, like that was definitely something I had never been exposed to before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was interesting to kind of navigate through that. I think definitely like you hit on a very important part, um, part like childhood experiences. It kind of shape how you view uh, these issues because I know growing up in my neighborhood, a lot of people did drugs and it wasn't like such a like taboo topic. People, they smoked and they, they, they drank. So it kind of normalizes it in that sense. And that doesn't make it right, but um, I think that's where we have to kind of see the difference between people abusing drugs and using it. So how do you see that, Paulette? Like, do you think that it's a big difference between using it like every day or weekly, or does that look like drug abuse? I think it really depends on the, I guess, the outside behavior of that person. Um, because it's one thing to smoke every day and still be able to have your life together, still have a job, still go to school full, full time, still maintain your grades. If you're, if you're able to do all that clearly, you know, that's using it, you know, that's just you clearly being able to balance the things of your life. And if you have free time, then hey, you know, that's your business. I mean, as long as you're not hurting anyone, like, go for it. And then there's a difference between using it every day because, oh, like, the second I wake up, like, I immediately need to smoke. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I need to do to get through the day. Like, all right, I'll, I'll smoke and then I can, you know, get on with whatever I was doing. Then that's when I think it starts to more lean towards the more abusing, the more like, mm -hmm. okay, it's one thing to use it for fun, but to say that you need it or to say that it's a necessary thing to you now instead right, like of just like, right, more of a coping me mechanism mm -hmm. then. I guess, and that's when you need to kind of reevaluate and kind of just look out for that because it's very easy to go down a line of just like, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget to, um, Paulette, when you were talking, you reminded me of uh, caffeine and how, you know, kind of the running joke for college students is, oh, I, I need my coffee first to get through the day. I know mm -hmm. I say that. And so I think, you know, sometimes we do forget, you know, caffeine is... I believe Dr. Hazard said it was the most mm -hmm. addictive uh, drug or most used drug. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting because sometimes we don't think about like how these um, drugs affect our daily life. Mm -hmm. That's really true. Like once you put it like that, it makes me think of the things that I'm addicted to in a sense, like things I can go without. And does that make it a drug? Because I know if I have an like, unhealthy attachment to like my phone or something like that, that becomes like a drug. Mm -hmm. Like you're in an unhealthy relationship with something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And we also need to be conscious of that. Like you don't have to 
like inhale or like take something for it to be a drug. Absolutely. I think that's a very important thing. What is our responsibility? Do you think if like, is it our responsibility to help those who are struggling with drug usage or is it more of a individualistic thing? Like you suffering that alone and if you happen to fall, that's just part of the experience. Um, I think both as a, like even like for the church in general and even on this campus, I think it is our responsibility to help those. Um, if we do see abuse, um, taking place with that with a certain drug it's definitely our place to extend a hand and possibly offer resources to get that to get, help them get the help that they need mm -hmm. um, but it definitely is not our place to judge or to I think it, again t but in order to do that I think we need to successfully define really what it is the line between using and abusing drugs just everyday things like we talked about like get so caught up in the routine of doing things that we're not always conscious of our behavior mm -hmm. so I definitely feel like we do need outside people to kind of say like you know well is are you okay like I see that you've been doing this but it has to come from like a place of love and not like condescension absolutely I would say one of the things that I think of is the word gluttony Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you know, we use the word addictive, but really they're synonymous in this situation, you know. Um, and so, you know, that is one of the seven deadly sins according to the Bible. And so I guess it's interesting to think about drugs and alcohol usage in that way. Uh, because I would say the majority of drugs and alcohol can be healthy, like a glass of red wine before bed is considered healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to sound like my mother, but all in moderation mm -hmm. is what she would say a lot. Um, and so I think that sometimes when we hear that, though, then we jump to the stigma of we don't have what's in moderation clearly defined for us. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes, oh, I am having partaking less of this, so therefore I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. um, that was definitely the culture that I was raised in for the last three years of high school, was I'm better than you because you're sinning, because you're doing, you're, you're drinking alcohol. Like, there was, like, my family as, um, my dad's a pastor, and my family would not allow alcohol in the house um, until my sister turned 21, because they would never tell me this, but it's, this fear of being seen a certain way mm -hmm. and that drives drove the culture that i was part of mm -hmm. and so it's ugh, it's toxic it's not fun um, and so i think the church really needs to check itself um and you know like we were talking about motivation earlier like what is the church's motivation is it to judge and condemn people no it's to love people mm -hmm. where they're at so there's my little tangent <laughs> <laughs> what's your first experience with drugs because I remember in um I went to a public school in Chicago so I think we have more of a pushback on drugs just because like it can be a down what do you call it a downhill spiral yeah like you know um snowball effect or whatever or whatever you want to call that so I remember in sixth grade we had like dare. Yeah, my sister did that. Yeah, yeah. it's like drug 
I don't even know drug abuse resistance it's education, education. Yeah. okay yeah so <laughs> we did that and I remember just thinking like okay it was you know kind of corny you think you know everything even in sixth grade I'm just right. like whatever I don't care like I'm not gonna go do drugs but the fact that you're like constantly like in people face like don't do drugs do you think that type of like propaganda actually works because if anything it makes you more curious I would agree. I mean, my parents, they sheltered me as much as they could and as much as they still can, honestly. Yeah. So the second that I, you know, have have time to myself or I'm finally <laughs> by myself it's at school and no one's watching me, I can't help but, you know, wonder, well, let's see what all the hype's about. Like, yeah, you I know, clearly, let's see, I want to be able to make a judgment on my own instead of having to have it automatically be like, no, you can't. Yeah. Like, eh, I want to be able to make that decision for myself. Yeah, I would agree. I was, you know, definitely sheltered, very sheltered. Um, and so I went through D.A.R.E. and mm -hmm. I was, they showed a video about um, a woman that um, did math and I was like, scarred for life i was like oh i'll never do that oh my goodness and then don't tell me you you did math no, no 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 okay. no 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 <laughs> do we need to talk no also? no no cut this off we're, we're good, good. <laughs> we're good um but i i was kind of like this i used to be this like poster child you know mm -hmm. we joke about it sometimes um and so I gave a speech in front of like 200 people and Dallas Clark about say no to drugs, say no mm -hmm. to alcohol, do this, do that. Um, and so there was like a time in my life where I was like ingrained with this idea of no mm -hmm. um, to the point now where it's like, you know, you actually, that's what's so great about coming to college is that you formulate your own opinions and mm -hmm. make your own decisions and you, you know, I have learned that you really have to accept the consequences of that and you can, you know, as long as you're doing that, cool. <laughs> cool. I would love to comment on what you said about, like, how you remember D.A.R.E. and it showed you some woman on, like, meth and like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that as a society we also, if we really want to figure out what the line is and really want to help um, our future generations in deciphering what's use and abuse, I think we really need to reevaluate and maybe redo some of those programs because that's not right to immediately just show somebody like if you're right. gonna scar a child like that and then be like, oh, see, don't do drugs or this will we're, be you right like we're automatically grouping marijuana as like when we hear drugs, we think marijuana, but we don't hear levels like we mm -hmm. just group it all together and just think automatically, oh wow, all of those are detrimental whereas yeah. no there's levels there's like ways like obviously I'm not saying oh yeah, I'm not, in no way am I endorsing like cocaine, meth, go for it, do that mm -hmm. recreationally. I'm not for that at all. But marijuana, things like that, if you want to do that recreationally, how is that harmful to anybody? Like, that's, you know, that's their personal choice. Yeah, it's a lot of um, campaigns. It's, a, it's like truth. And, like, they have the commercials with the cigarettes and, like, the lady peels off a piece of her skin and, like, right. pays for her cigarettes with that. And I agree, cigarettes are, like, bad for you. They're cancerous. And even for the people that you smoke around, like I look at how we present these things because I don't think scaring people into doing the right thing 
it's the right thing, right. you know? Right. You shouldn't scare kids into not smoking by saying you, like, lose your teeth and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. We feel it, to look at the positives, like... We feel to look at the positive effects that those things can have. Like, mar like again, marijuana, so many positive things, obviously medicinally, things like that. Mm -hmm. But as well as it would provide so many jobs, the marijuana industry would provide so many jobs for people. And it would help the economy. It, any taxes that we can make could go back to the state. Mm -hmm. like, it would just be a lot of good things that could come from doing that. Yeah. Um, I would kind of going back to your comment on my comment, you know, <laughs> domino effect. Uh, in, in social psychology, I don't know if you took that class with Dr. Clovering, but we discussed mm -hmm. uh, persuasion. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she talked about, in order to persuade people, like, yes, you can show them, like, you can scare them, but you always have to give them a way out. And, you know... I remember that, yeah. I think that people just assumed... Like, that we all saw, oh, being, like, the way out is, like, sports or, like, extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. That's, like, mm -hmm. that's what you do. And so I think that's just so interesting that our culture, like, I think has now, at least with, like, alcohol, has kind of, like, flipped to where, like, you know, when you get to college, like, it's considered cool to drink, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's something that I've struggled with is that idea. Um, and so just thinking about, you know, how how are you going to approach a situation like that? Mm -hmm. um, knowing that you're afraid of being left out, like we were discussing earlier, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's kind of become a real part of our culture is that we're so afraid of missing out on someone on something not someone uh, i think that's very valid because that's how you form opinions about things from conversations that you have or like places where you picked it up from so if you hear like your friend oh yeah you know we got so drunk last night and it was so much fun it's like now you're feeling like oh okay maybe i need to do those things to right. have fun or yeah. you know i want to at least experience I think that's also like what is so interesting about like psychology as a field, not to like bunny trail, but is that, you know, you think about like why like people do do drugs, why people do um, drink alcohol. And it's like alcohol is a um, depressant and some drugs are, uh, oh my, help me out here. Stimulus? Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And Again, so shout out Dr. Hasser. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Hasser. Behavioral so pharmacology. Like, yep. <laughs> I, I can definitely see I was I've always been um on the fence on the statement of like, oh well, weed is so addicting, all this stuff. And I know that there's an argument out there that says like, oh no, like weed isn't addicting. But I mean I I can say that when you feel that type of euphoria, when you feel that type of relief, that type of comfort, that honestly, the closest thing to pure relaxation that you can get, other than being dead. Um, I think that, yeah, I can see how people can, you know, go down that, that path of like, oh wow, like, it's nice to feel this way, you know, oh, you know, once a week, 
Yeah, I, I could go for another time, twice. Mm -hmm. I could go every day, every day. Not, just in the morning's not enough. I could go morning and night. I could go morning, night, lunch. Every day, like, yeah. it's very easy to keep going and going and be like, oh, you know, I want to feel relaxed all the time. And then I think that's when, you know, you can find yourself into problems where, like, yeah, okay, you might feel relaxed all the time, but you forget the other part. You forget that, you know, that kind of isn't real life. Like, you're in, you put yourself in that state. That's not really how you are. The mm -hmm. second that you get out of it, any any problems, any things that you're running away from, they're still going to be there. Like, you can't run forever. So I think it's just a matter of finding, yeah, that like, it's okay to cope with that. Like, if you're feeling really stressed out, like, okay, let me go take a second. Like, let me go take a break, go, mm -hmm. whatever. But don't let that be like, oh, okay, like, I'm going to go take a break and I'm just not going to do my homework because I'm stressed and, like, oh, I just don't, I'm not going to do it. Like, no, like, you still have to be able to have your responsibilities together in order to, I think, maintain a healthy and non-abusive um, relationship with your recreational drug because otherwise you are feeding into the stigma of, you know, it's taking over your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we if we're adults and we all been exposed to drugs before, I mean, it shouldn't be something that we can't discuss openly mm -hmm. and maturely. I mean, from like how we talked about dare and even having like family uh interactions with drugs and alcohol, why do we still have this shush let's not talk about it, let's do it behind closed doors attitude. Mm -hmm. So I First of all, I um, we talk a lot about long-term memory and cognitive psychology, and one mm -hmm. of the things that we talked about was how the storage limitations. And it's your long-term memory is only limited by your experiences. And so I think you know, like there are people that have experienced alcohol and drugs. There are also some people on this campus that are sheltered. Mm -hmm. um, I also just think you know, one word that's kind of been buzzing around our campus has been vulnerability. Mm. And I think that, you know, to truly embody being, like, to truly embody the body of Christ is to not have any closed doors, you know, all open doors. And so mm. I think sometimes we, you know, try to hide things that are ugly about us. I know I do. Mm -hmm. And so, but sometimes those like ugly, disgusting things that you don't want anybody to find out about are the very thing that can link you to another human being. Mm -hmm. And so like, like, I don't want to know how many people have gone to a party and like gotten into a situation where they've regretted it because I know that that happens on this campus mm -hmm. off campus. I know that that happens. Um, and I'm pretty sure everyone on this campus knows that it happens. You have to close your eyes and only, and lock yourself in your dorm room mm -hmm. to not see it. And so I think that that, that feeling of just wanting to present your best like self to Trinity's campus, like, I get that. Like, I'm, you know, supposed to be a student leader and supposed to, like, you know, embody Christ. 
-hmm. because I'm also a Christian, you know? And so I think there's a lot of pressure on people to do that. And I think sometimes it's easier just to hide. Yeah. I don't like that because I don't want us to become so obsessed with the image of being good or doing good that we kind of like, I don't know, we become detached from reality. And I think ultimately that comes down to the fact that like, you, uh, the initial question was why? Well, I think obviously at a Christian college with the word Christian in its name, I don't think is ever going to be pro-recreational marijuana or pro-any, like pro, mm-hmm. you know, something on that. And that's okay. And that's understandable. I wouldn't expect that. But what I would expect is for a school that has the word Christian Christ in its name, I would expect more of a of you know that are so stressing. Let's be Christ-like. Like let's be Christ-like. Well, first let's identify and let's define what being Christ-like is. Christ-like mm-hmm. isn't me being the best me two hundred percent of the time. Like oh, stressing myself like to be who like to be the best me and only the best me. Mm-hmm. Being Christ-like is like loving each other. God was all about love. So for people to stay to be on this campus and judge those who, you know, do X, Y, and Z in their free time, that's where I get upset and that's where I get angry and I feel like a lot of people on this campus feel the same way that, you know, being Christ-like doesn't mean, oh, let me be super, let me watch everyone around me, let me try and be an omniscient being and watch what everybody else is doing and judge you for what you're doing wrong or what you're doing that I don't agree with. That's not what being Christ-like is. That's not what we should be striving to be. Being striving to be is like, okay, you know, I might not agree with what you're doing or I might not be agreeing with, you know, what you're um, promoting or what have you. I might not be agreeing with it, but, you know, I'm still going to love you regardless. Or that doesn't even mean let's be best friends. Let's hang out 24-7. That just more means, okay, you know, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Hey, how are you? And I'm just going to continue and do what I'm going to do and just focus on yourself. (laughs) honestly yeah I think it's interesting also to watch um like certain people on this campus that um this campus is kind of jokingly called poster children and how Mm. I guess for me sometimes the way I would describe um someone that you know only wants to be your friend, only wants to be around you if you aren't doing this specific thing. That's called a convenient Christian. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm calling it. And honestly, like that hurts when you mess up or when you are doing something that the other person doesn't agree with mm-hmm. and they look you in the eyes and they just say, you know, you shouldn't do that. We're not going to be close. I'm going to step away because I can't handle it. Really? Yeah. And that has happened to me, not for any of the topics we have been discussing, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that because I'm different from you and I'm not perfect, you decide to isolate. You decide to ostracize me and isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think that lack of maturity is the motivator for that. And I know that there are other reasons for that, you know. Like, I go through them all, like childhood problems, you know, 
abandonment issues. There's like, there's a list of things that go through your mind, but still like you're human and that hurts. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how self-aware you are. That hurts. And I think that that hurt, you just kind of take it in and you're just like, well, cool. So now I'm not going to trust that person. Now I feel shame. Now I feel fear. And then we get the closed doors. And it's like, this is, this is not what we are supposed to be doing. With like reactions like that, it's no wonder that people don't want to talk. Like it's no wonder that people mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable reaching out to faculty or mm-hmm. feel right. comfortable talking to, um, about these issues. It's no wonder because we're we already know we're either just going to be like oh like yeah, like let's not talk about that, mm-hmm. or we're just going to be shoved a Jesus answer. Which and mm-hmm. not to say that the Jesus answer isn't right, but I need something that really needs that I really need to help me like. Mm-hmm. I need practical things. Simply just saying, oh, we'll pray about it. Like, okay, but I need something other than just prayer, too. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like what I call the Christian cop-out. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> even when um when we go on to discuss, like, mental illness, a lot of people say, pray it away. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't like that at all. You I can't like, pray away <laughs> a broken arm. Right. But just you can pray, pray away. away. <laughs> and then... It's fine. Even when just I don't try. think like that, it's okay. Just, right. Just pray God will give you happy thoughts. Because mm-hmm. I haven't been doing that before. Right. And I've even had someone on campus tell me like, "Well, are you um, in your Bible? Are you in the Word?" And I'm like, "I am depressed. I don't think <laughs> that's going to absolutely help me. I don't feel like that's yeah. the the quick fix answer right. to everything. That shouldn't be the initial. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like." the Bible is being held up in front of that person as a shield against vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. And um, that is not how <laughs> people trust you. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... I've had somebody do that to me before. Mm-hmm. I've had my mother do that to me before because I also struggle with depression. And so to hear your own mother say... Just pray about it. Just pray about it. I'm sure it's not that because she doesn't want to deal with the fact that her kid is, you know, mm-hmm. depressed. Um, but I think, I think that when you do that to a person, you just say, "Have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about that? You are close. You're not listening. Mm-mm. You're not listening. You're not listening when you, you know, say, oh, like, have you tried like going to counseling?'" Like, you're not listening. Yes, counseling is wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I want to do. But you are not listening actively, you know. And active listening is when, like, you just shut up and focus solely on what that person is saying. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in a culture that we just just don't know how to shut up. Honestly, because sometimes when you talk to people, you don't want advice. You just want to listen and hear it. Like... When I come to Paulette, I'm like, I'm happy you don't jump to like, oh yeah, just do this. It's like, no, you listen and then you be like, okay, well, how can I help you? I'm like, that's, that's like, you know, that's that helpful. Love. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, okay, so 
you know because all the time you don't want someone down your throat because for me i'm already thinking of all the things that i could do to be better right but that makes me even mm -hmm. worse right. I'm like, oh my gosh. You don't think I, I thought not, about that? Why am I not doing them then? I know right. what to do, so why aren't I doing it? Right. <laughs> it just it just makes it worse sometimes. Uh, Honestly. Mm -hmm. It's too much to deal with. Right. I feel like school is the reason why a lot of people are stressed. Yeah. And um, may uh, experiment with drugs. Because I didn't feel pressured to like be so involved until I got on campus. Because... When I first got here, I was like, wow, people, like, they have a full course load, they got two jobs, they babysit, they go to church, they lead two organizations, they, you know, and, and they do it all with a smile. So, that's pressuring, that's, like, mm -hmm. makes you feel like you're not enough. I can enough, do it too, I or, can step it up. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can be doing better in my life. A lot of times, we don't even think about how we are, like, interconnected and how how we're living interferes with other people's life. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely think our, you know, our culture and just the, all the pressure that school has to give, not even just school, life in general has to give us that, that definitely impacts, you know, maybe what we run to, um, to deal with those things. Uh, I definitely think that sometimes marijuana and alcohol can be the the quick fix and that may not mm -hmm. necessarily be the right one but it's the quick one and then you know it'll work mm -hmm. um but i think that you know when you have different um coping mechanisms in your life like i think that the more that you have the better off that you are in the sense that you're not just depending on one if i'm just depending on recreational use as my coping mechanism and that alone that's easily going to drive me to being abusive towards whatever recreational drug mm -hmm. but if i'm also working out and i'm also you know doing yoga to like relax or like mm -hmm. i don't know i'm taking a nap like those kind of things food i don't know every right. if i have multiple methods of coping aside from just recreational use it like reduces it the reduces chance. a chance i would like to think it reduces a chance and it also gives you more of an out like okay like recreational use of whatever isn't the only way out like mm -hmm. i got other options like i'm like it gives you more a sense of security even like to be like okay i got options like i'm okay like, mm -hmm. i think that's good like having people that support you in that way and even just having like you said, options and saying to yourself, okay, well, I can go do this, but this is not my life. Mm -hmm. You know, not putting that thing on a pedestal and being like, this makes everything better. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely the slippery slope where if it's like your hobby, that's fine. But if it's your only hobby and it's the thing that you're like pursuing with all you have, <laughs> I right. think that's like... Yeah, that's the problem. Take right care there. of your bills and then <laughs> take care of your luxuries. Never make them synonymous ever. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting to realize how different, you know, your views become when you come to college. Mm -hmm. You know, just thinking about how, like, I don't know, as kids, like, we were with there, like, we were ingrained with, you know, just just don't do it at all. Just don't even try to think that you're in control because you're not. To now, this idea that 
you know, moderation. It's it's very interesting to see that jump and to see like how our society here in the U.S. has kind of changed. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure dare is still a thing, but let's see. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. And like seeing, also just seeing how it's become more accepted. Like it's not becoming as accepted as you know the ideal, but the fact that it's already become legal in states like that shows progression. So clearly yeah. there is some good, but it's just a matter of time before I guess the rest of the world accepts it as good or mm-hmm. believes that it's good. I guess. Like, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, thinking about the legalization of marijuana, you know, like alcohol is legal for people that are 21. And I think one of the things that's holding people back from mar- from legalizing marijuana is like that I've talked to my parents about is like driving while under the influence of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And like this is awful, but people drive under the influence of alcohol too. All the time. And, mm-hmm. like, people have died because of that. And, you know, if you're going to do drugs and you're going to make that choice, it doesn't matter whether or not it's legal. It mm-hmm. really doesn't. And so seeing the logic of, you know, like, being able to tax it, being able to help the economy because um, is those are, like, very good points. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I um speaking of dare, I don't know if you guys do this, but on Twitter you can search a word and all <laughs> the things that people are saying about that word yeah. pops up. Oh and my. honestly the responses are so funny to me. So so I did that with dare. And <laughs> someone said, Dare, when you get older people will offer you free drugs. Me, fifteen years later, where are these <laughs> Where are these free drug dealers at? Right. <laughs> no, Where are so these funny. people who but, supposedly are going to be at a street corner? Hey, do you want to buy? Right. Where are they? Where That's are one they? thing. Uh, yeah. The. I walked out Chicago. I never have I ever been approached immediately. Do you want to <laughs> buy drugs? No. <laughs> I've never been approached. I don't no. think Dare's around anymore. I can't find. I'm sure they replaced it with something. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I think we need their back because at least it gets conversations going. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. Like, we can disagree all the time or we can have our different perspectives. But if we just keep them to ourselves, that gets nothing done. Right. So at least, you know, Dare took the initiative to get the ball rolling and having us think like, okay, does this count as a drug? Or, you know, should I be doing this? Right. Yeah. I would... I would... When I learned about D.A.R.E., I was in fifth grade. Do you think I was thinking about drugs and alcohol in fifth grade? No. No. Like, please educate us in middle school. Like, (laughs) eighth grade, when we're getting ready to go into high school, or, like, freshman year of high school, when we... Okay, I'm going to put this lightly. might have an idea of what's going on. (laughs) Right. Say no to drugs, say yes to tacos. Mm, oh, tacos. tacos. <laughs> um, Should have had tacos today. Right, we missed it by two days, but to go get some after then. Um, just mm. kidding. Um, I think my final remarks would just be that 
<laughs> well, words of wisdom. Anyone who hasn't registered for classes, register with Dr. Hazard. That's awesome. Um, I love psychology. Uh, yeah, any people who are decided to switch to psychology majors. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than my shameless plug. Uh, it's not, not shameless. Right. Um, it's honestly. wonderful. You it's might great. as well just plug Psychology Club right Oh yeah, here. Psychology Club. Mondays at 10 a.m. in the Mullen House. Be there or... Psychology's great, guys. Join us. Cool. I mean, you're probably a cool person, but... I mean, psychology makes you cooler. <laughs> Accurate. Um, well, other than my shameless plug, I think my final <laughs> remark would just be that um, as a society, we just need to work on the stigma that comes with drugs and... Just be able to reevaluate and truly see the different functions and benefits that would come from possibly uh, openly legalizing recreational and medicinal use of said drugs. And um, I think also for the lack of better word, stoner community and um, the other people who do uh, participate in recreational or medicinal. Um, uh, drug use, I think that we also, there's a resp responsibility on us to ensure that, you know, we continue to keep doing our what we're doing, continue to be able to function in our everyday lives so that we don't feed into the stigma, so that we don't feed into what society already labels us as like lazy, lazy people who don't really contribute anything that to show them that just because, you may, you know, you may use or you may cope and said, said, way of your choice that you know you're still able to be a functioning and um contributing member of society and just be able to break that stigma mm -hmm. i guess mm -hmm. my final comment would just be listen listen to people like when your friend seems off Take note of that and actually talk to them about it. Ask them questions and then listen. Like, it's not that hard. That sounded really harsh, but it's vulnerability needs to happen. You're not going to get anywhere in your life if you aren't. And ultimately, if you really do want to be Christ-like, show it by do it by showing God's love. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean being judgmental. That means. You doing you, me doing me, and you know if you if you really do see it, let it be out of concern. Go for mm -hmm. it. Approach someone, but more being like, okay, you do you, I'll do me, and I still love you for it. You know whatever you're doing, I still love you. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a reason why we don't get to see the blooper reels of other people's lives when other people mess up. There's a reason why God doesn't show us every single time, and that's because we're not the ones that get to decide whether or not mm -hmm. it makes it into the film or this film gets published or yeah produced there we go <laughs> absolutely i like that same okay thank you girls i was, I was gonna say guys but okay <laughs> guy girls <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys that could be a gender neutral term but anyway thank you guys for coming and talking to me about this and for anybody out there on campus who has anything to add to the conversation hit us up on twitter at troll talk 17. thank you bye see ya